football season is over. Or is it? Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Andrew Steele podcast, brought to you by Blogs of Steel. Brand new website we've set up in association with this podcast. We're only we're less than a week old, but already some brilliant stuff on there, including a piece on the legacy of Patrick Mahomes, which is well and truly cemented after his superhuman performance in Super Bowl 57. Just an unreal game, an unreal um, kind of chapter in, in Mahomes' career and, and for the Kansas City Chiefs too in terms of what they've achieved and, and kind of what they are going to go on and achieve given that Mahomes is just 27 and he's probably had the best start to a career of, of any athlete really if you if you nail down and look into it. So go to blogsofsteel.substack.com Again, lots of good stuff to come. We, we're just getting started. We've just agreed a photo license. We've got some cool illustrations being done by our brilliant partner, John Daly. So really, really pumped with how things are going so far. And as I teased right at the start, Super Bowl may be done, but that doesn't mean football season is, is over. There's no such thing as an off-season in sports anymore. And today's episode, we're, we're delighted to have Matt Verderam, the national NFL reporter for Fansided, back on. Matt, if you remember, came on last week live from Radio Row in Glendale just to talk over the main talking points. In Super Bowl 57, he jumped back on this week to kind of break it all down for us into a fine powder, give his thoughts on that controversial call at the end of the game, on, on Mahomes' legacy, on what's next for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And not only that, not only that, but in a special treat, Matt also kind of dived into the off-season for us because it's going to be another wild off-season in the NFL from the quarterback carousel to the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, being perhaps the most interesting storyline to follow given they've got the number one pick in the draft and I'd be shocked if they didn't move it. They've also got a boatload of cap space. So me and Matt kind of dived into that as well and dived into the biggest storylines this offseason for you and kind of just put a bow on the 2022 season, really. And again, the offseason is is in full swing already. You know, we the draft is coming up, the combine, all those kinds of things. So we've got some stuff in the pipeline. I'm talking to a few people at the moment to come on who are a lot smarter than me to to really do some mock drafts for us and take you inside the, the, the draft room. So we're working on some cool things of that. We'll keep you covered all throughout free agency as well. But for now, I'll pass you on to our, our chat with Matt, who again, there's no one better than Matt when it comes to breaking down the X's and O's of the NFL. So he did a brilliant job breaking down Super Bowl 57 for us and again kind of giving us his thoughts on on how the offseason is going to pan out so let's break into our chat Thank you for for jumping on the Andrew Steele podcast again. Appreciate it. Last time we spoke to you, it was it was just before Super Bowl. There were a, a load of questions, and I think a lot of them got got answered in what was a a game for the ages. Really, I I want to start off on the negative though because I think it'd be remiss of us not to touch on it. 
you were there. What was your thoughts on that on the uh, on the call that ultimately decided the game? You know, I, I think in the end it was a hold. Like I understand the people who say, How do you call it? It's anticlimactic. I, I get all that. I, I, I do. But in the end, James Bradbury, to his credit, admitted this afterwards. He held him. Um, I think you've got to make that call. If it happens, it happens. Whether or not it happens early in the game, late in the game, um, it's unfortunate that it happened when it did because it essentially finished off the game. And otherwise, we would have had Jalen Hurts with a minute 40 and a timeout. What would have happened? I hear all that. But I can't criticize an official for making a call that after the game, the guy he called it on says, yeah, you know, it, it was a penalty, it was a good call. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I mean, as you said, that, you know, Bradbury came out and, and kind of owned up to it. And and I think sometimes we, we can be caught up in prisoner of the moment. And I think it was just a shame that that got all the attention, really, when it, it was a game for the ages. And we saw another superhuman performance from from Pat Mahomes, who at one point looked like he was down and out, and at halftime you're you're going into that halftime show thinking, is this even going to be compet- competitive in the second half? And you know, out comes Mahomes. He does Mahomes things, and and kind of now the dust has settled. Where do you stand on on his legacy after after this? Well, I, I think it's still being built for sure. Um, at the same point, I think you'd have to look at it and say, listen, how many guys have the resume that he does? He's won two MVPs, he's won two Super Bowl MVPs, and he's won two Super Bowls. And the only guys who can say that in NFL history are Joe Montana, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady. So you're getting into the realm here, excuse me, where you're starting to really look at his resume at 27 years old and say, all right, look, he's already one of the five greatest quarterbacks ever. I don't even know that you could argue that. Um, certainly, he's one of the top five in the Super Bowl era. Then you get into how high can he climb? And, you know, I think it's up to each individual to say, well, what are what are my parameters? You know, do you look at him and say, well, to be the greatest ever, he's got to win seven? Like Brady? Do you say, well, he doesn't have to win seven, but if he wins four or five and he, and he tacks on a bunch more MVPs, then I put him there. I, I don't know, but I think what we do know is he is now to a point where for the rest of his career, it's about his legacy. It's about chasing goats. He's already uh, put himself in a spot where he he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retires tomorrow. When he went on that that twenty six yard scramble, I think we were surprised and not surprised at the same time. Obviously, the the, the bum ankle plays into that. But just what were you thinking when he went off on that run? Because that that is, that kind of defining image will be the defining image of this Super Bowl. It will be something that NFL films, when they come out with with their their special feature, that will be what they run with. Right. What, what were you thinking at that moment? You know what happened? I thought it would if they won, it would be the defining play of the game. And I think it's one of the best two or three plays of his career. I mean, ironically, as great as he is throwing the ball, you could really argue that the three best plays he's ever had in his NFL career are all running plays. I mean, whether it's that play you just mentioned, whether it's his 27-yard touchdown run against the Titans in the AFC Championship game in 2019, or it's running on half of a leg against the Bengals 
and picking up a first down at the end of the AFC Championship game, and then Osai hits him out of bounds and it sets up a game-winning field goal. I mean, you you could really talk about those three plays and say there's, there's no play he's ever made that's better. I mean, yeah, you could get into Wasp in, in Super Bowl 54. Obviously, he's had a multitude of throws in his career that you could point to and say that, that's one of the best plays in his career. Um, but to do what he did, as hurt as he was, um, yeah, I, that that's going to hold a special place, uh, certainly in Chiefs lore, and I would imagine the NFL history. It wasn't just Mahomes, obviously, you know, Andy Reid kind of cemented his own legacy in terms of his his play calling brilliance in the second half. And then I, I think what we really saw was just it, it pays to have smart roster construction, right? Because, you know, you had Kadarius Tony with that electric punt return. He scored a touchdown, you know, Sky Moore on, on those to, two brilliantly um, called plays. That O-line, which was completely dismantled by Tampa, they, they held that vaunted, uh, Philly defense to zero sacks. So I, I think general manager Brett Veach, he kind of came out that, you know, for any criticism he, he had a couple of years ago and and after deciding not to, to pay Tyreek um, Hill, he kind of came out that vindicated, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, Brett Veach, it's, it's hard to it's hard to doubt him after all this. They lost Tyron Matthew, they lost Javarius Ward, they traded Tyreek Hill, and they won the Super Bowl. So uh, they did it. With eight rookies playing real snaps this year, like not not just you know a snap here, a snap there on special teams, but like real, honest to God, we're relying on you to make plays every week, and they won the Super Bowl that way. Um, they they overcame a lot of adversity in the playoffs. Mahomes is on one ankle and and all the rest of it, but I do think you know when you look at it from just a, an overall standpoint. Yeah, this team's different than the team that won a couple of years ago. Where that, that team that won a couple of years ago, not to end away from, they were amazing. But in some ways, I guess it's almost a credit to them. They were so dominant because of all the stars they had. Um, that wasn't the case this year. I mean, not not that they're you know lacking. I mean, they're they're still an excellent sure. team. But they kind of piecemealed this thing. I mean, they don't have a star receiver defensively, other than Chris Jones. They didn't have anybody make the Pro Bowl. I mean, now, you could argue Nick Bolton should have made it. You know, maybe maybe Jerry Sneed should have made it. I mean, they've, they've quality players, but they didn't have a, a, a Tyron Matthew on the back end who's, a, who's an all-pro. Um, they really worked together as a unit with a lot of young guys who they mixed in. And I think the biggest thing that got overlooked all week long, leading up to the Super Bowl, and we talked about it actually in our interview, the Chiefs offensive line is really good. Like, I think a lot of people looked at the game two years ago against Tampa and just said, well, that might just happen again. That line against Tampa played four backups in that game. I mean, the Chiefs were a mess up front, and the starter who played played out of position that night. This offensive line's a really good unit, and they showed it against Philadelphia. On the other side, you know, it, it was an absolute gut punch of a loss for Philadelphia, given that yeah. I think for most of the first half, they just seemed in complete control, and it was, it you know, you were kind of left asking if if Kansas had any answers to to what they were seeing, and and at one point it didn't look like they did. I want to focus obviously on the on the biggest positive. I think you know we talked before about it being a statement game for Chris Jones. This was a statement game for Jalen Hurts, and I think this was him coming out and saying, "I'm built for the big moment, and I can do this on the biggest stage." You know, I couldn't agree more. It's funny because normally. If you lose in the Super Bowl, you don't walk away getting any kind of real credit. I mean, you usually, especially if you, you have a 10-point lead, you don't lose the game. 
Hurts was fantastic. That game, in a lot of ways, to be honest, played out the way I thought it would. I thought if the Chiefs could block Philly, I thought the Chiefs offense was going to move the ball well, and they did. I, I expected that the, that the Kansas City defensive front was going to really try to slow down the backs and make Hurts throw the ball, and they did. But to Hurts' credit, like I've always, I've, I've been a Hurts guy since he left college. I, I thought he showed a ton of maturity. The way he handled uh, Tua taking over for him in Alabama, and then he went to Oklahoma, and he played really well. And I, I really have always liked him. I thought that was the best game I've ever seen him play. He, he really, in a lot of ways, made that game what it was by throwing the ball as well as he did. I mean, going into that game, including the playoffs, he had played 17 games this year because he had missed two with injury. He had only thrown for 250 yards five times. Like They were really a team that did not rely on a lot of volume pass. Now, part of that because they were winning a game quite a bit. But I give it to him. He was awesome. I mean, really the only mistake he had was a was a weird play where he tried to switch hands with the ball and he fumbled. And, you know, unfortunately for him, he got run back for a touchdown. And it's a huge play. I mean, it does it does factor in, obviously. But Hurts was great. I, I don't know what else could have really asked for him. Unfortunately for him, Mahomes was – as as great and Mahomes at the ball last. In terms of the Eagles, I, I think obviously you know this this loss will be probably as as, as tough a one as you can have. But I think looking yeah. at their their future, look, it's bright. They've they've got Hurts. They they've got their their quarterback. They they've got a lot of draft capital and and valuable draft capital. They've got a young core. Where do you kind of see their their future and their their ceiling? Oh, I, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Super Bowl again in a couple of years. I mean, they, they've got to take care of Hurts, and they will. Howie Roseman's one of the best, you know, two, three gems in the NFL. They'll, they'll get creative. They'll figure out a way to, to bring Hurts in and, and in the, into the fold for the foreseeable future on extension. Um, they've got Devonta Smith. They've got, they've got A.J. Brown. They've, they've got a, a great offensive line. Now, that, you know, Kelsey's getting up there at age. You know, how long does he want to play? Same thing with Lane Johnson. But, um, Look, they're really good. The big question for them this offseason is just going to be, okay, what are you doing with the back end on defense? I mean, Gardner Johnson's a free agent. Uh, Bradbury's a free agent. So you got to figure that out a little bit. And then up front, they do have a few other guys who are free agents. I mean, guys like uh, Linville Joseph and Indominus Sue, who are rotational guys. Uh, you know, they, they, have, they have a few guys that they've got to kind of figure out, um, you know, what, do you, what are you doing there? But overall... Look, they've got two first-round picks. One of them's tenth overall from the Saints. Like, it's a it's a great spot to be in if you're Philadelphia. I don't need to tell you this. There's no off season in in football. You know, yeah. we've just put the bow on the Super Bowl, and now it's going to be straight into in into the draft and, and some of the biggest storylines. So, I want to fire a couple of those at you quickly, if that's okay. Yeah. There's a lot of quarterback stuff which we'll get onto in a minute, but I think for me one of the most intriguing storylines will be the Bears because they they hold that number one overall pick, and we'll see what they do with that. Obviously, it, it's incredibly possible they'll they'll trade out that spot and get an absolute treasure chest for it. And they've got just under a hundred million in 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 cap room. So so for you, kind of, is this an opportunity for them to to build around Fields or do they? go the other way and, and, and draft a QB, what what do you think they'll do with, with this opportunity to completely reset? Well, you know, if, if I were the Bears, I would build around fields. Now, will they do that? There remains to be seen. My, my feeling is that they will. I, I just, I, I am based out of Chicago. I cannot imagine the fury 
in this area of the country if they trade Justin Fields. Because you know what? I get all the people who say, hey, look, Bryce Young's a better prospect. You have no idea what Bryce Young's going to be. You don't know. Sure. What if he's not good? Like, what if he, What if he's a bust? And what if you trade Justin Fields and the guy goes on to eight Pro Bowls? Then what? Like, to me, if I'm the Bears, I am sticking with who I have because I think he's got a very bright future. I would trade out of that first pick. I think Indianapolis makes the most sense. I would get multiple picks down the road in the first and second rounds. And I'd say, you know what? Great. We got our quarterback. We got $95 million in cap space. And we've got a ton of draft picks. If I'm Chicago, I'm a big believer in, you know what? The grass is not always greener. You have Justin Fields. I'm not I'm not moving that guy. I Unless they just have some internal reason, like they feel like for some reason he's not a good fit for the offense. But he looked like a pretty good fit when he's playing this year. So, um I'd move the pick. I wouldn't move the player. Yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. Look, it's, it's a quarterback league, and as usual, it's, it, there's going to be a lot of movement on that front. So, just quickly for you, what are the best landing spots for, for Rogers and and Carr, and and what do you think is going to happen with Jackson? Yeah, so for all right, so let's go one by one. Rogers, I think the best opportunity there is probably the Jets or the Raiders. You could go either way. I mean, you talk to people in the league, and they're kind of split. Uh, I think those are the two favorites. You know, who bids more, essentially? I don't think he's going back to the Packers. I think it's going to be the Jets or the Raiders. Now, for the Raiders, got Devontae Adams. They have an offensive head coach. And they are out west, and, and Rodgers is from the west coast. So does, you know, how much does geography matter? I don't know, but it, it doesn't hurt. For the Jets, the Jets have a couple of really nice playmakers in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall going to their second year. They have a very good defense, which the Raiders do not have. They also have Nathaniel Hackett, who is a, a friend of Aaron Rodgers and a former coach in Green Bay. Um, they have they have some some pieces there that I think would really intrigue him. The downside for the Jets, it's a New York market. I don't know that Rodgers wants to go to a New York market and deal with all that kind of attention day in, day out. Um, but I would watch those two teams. For Carr, yeah. uh, the Saints have already shown interest. I think it's them or the Panthers that make the most sense. I think if I'm if I'm Derek Carr, I'd go to the Panthers. You've got an offensive head coach compared to a defensive head coach. You've got a team that doesn't have a, a really bad cap situation. You have a horrid cap situation in in Orleans. Um, I, I like that young roster. I think that makes a lot of sense for them uh, and for him. And then uh, you know I think by the way, whichever team with the Jets or the Raiders, whichever team doesn't get. Rodgers, I think Jimmy Garoppolo makes sense for either one of them because he's got ties to both teams. McDaniels coached them in, in New England, and Salvo was a coach of them in San Francisco. So I, I think I think those situations all probably you know kind of play out here in the next car more, quicker than the others, uh, but in the next month, something like that, month and a half. Um, it's the NFL, so there's always movement, there's always something. And it, I'm sorry, who is the third quarterback? Uh, the Mar Jackson and that whole situation. Oh, yeah. So, look, they're going to tag him. I mean, they'll tag him uh, unless, unless they just really surprisingly come to a deal before then. Now, here's where it gets interesting with Lamar Jackson. So, I, I, a lot of people don't realize there's two different kinds of franchise tags. There's the exclusive and the non-exclusive. Now, normally, 95% of the time, if not even more than that, you give a guy a non-exclusive tag. What that means is, first of all, the non-exclusive is cheaper. Um and it means that a team can can sign the guy to an offer sheet. Any team in the league can. 
And if you don't match that offer, then that team gets the player, but you, but then two first-round picks go the other way. It's very rare that it happens. I think the last time a team actually did that, it was Joey Galloway from Seattle to Dallas. That was like 20-some-odd years ago. But if the, if the Ravens gave that kind of attack to Jackson, you'd have half the league that would offer that because they're not going to get two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. It's a deal. Anybody would do that. So the Ravens are going to have to give him the exclusive tag. That means a difference of about $13 million. That tag's going to be about $45 million. And, but what, what it does is it means nobody can offer him a contract. He is bound to Baltimore as long as he's on that tag. The question's going to become, can they strike a deal? I think the Ravens, they'll give him what he wants financially in terms of overall money. The question is going to be, will Baltimore guarantee the money? And if they won't guarantee it, you're back at a stalemate. The one team I would really pay attention to here is Atlanta. Atlanta went all in a year ago for Deshaun Watson. They couldn't get him. They still need a quarterback. If I'm, and, and the Ravens, look, they'd be looking at Atlanta, if they have to trade him, saying, okay, we get a top 10 pick because Atlanta is a prolific ninth, and get him out of the conference. For Jackson, you go play with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. You go relatively near to where you went to play college in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I think Atlanta makes all the sense in the world. If I, and, and Atlanta is a city. Most of these teams don't even have to think about selling out. They just do it in the NFL. Atlanta has to think about that. The most popular player ever was Michael Vick for the Falcons. Well, who plays a lot like Michael Vick? So I think Atlanta, if he, if he gets out of Baltimore, I think Atlanta makes a ton of sense. Just one final one before I let you go. Um, Buffalo. I think we we rush to kind of anoint the next big thing, and Josh Allen is obviously talented, but a, a trend over the last few years is, is they just can't kind of get over those final few hurdles. And and I and right. I think the the general consensus is this is probably as big a off season for them as they they've had in in decades. So so what do they need to do this off season in your eyes to kind of bridge that gap and and take the next leap? Yeah, look, they're gonna have to have a great draft because. The days of them being able to do what they did last year with Von Miller, that's done. They have the money anymore. It's over. Um, that's what happens when your quarterback goes from getting paid $15 million to $40 million, and That's going to happen to them this year. So they're going to lose a few pieces. You know, Jordan Poyer's a free agent. Tremaine Evans a free agent. Devin Singletary, Roger Saffold. I mean, Saffold, I don't think the two of them are stung about. They'll let him walk. Singletary will probably let walk, and they'll have Cook replace him second year back. Um but Edmonds and Poyer are really interesting. Those are major pieces of that team. I would think Poyer's the more likely one to go. He's older. He's in his 30s. Um, Edmonds is still in his, in his mid-20s looking for a second deal. I think it's likely Poyer hits the market. Maybe the Bills get lucky. This, the free agency class is awful this year, but it's very deep in safety. So maybe the Bills are lucky enough that that market stays depressed if Poyer's not one of the first guys to sign. They can get him back on a relatively team-friendly deal. But for Buffalo, to build on this team, they're going to have to do it in the draft. And look, that's how you do it at this point. Look at the Chiefs. We just talked about it at the beginning of the show. Like yeah. They had eight rookies playing for them this year. You've got to draft well. The Chiefs have drafted phenomenally the last year. That's why they won the Super Bowl. And now Buffalo, and in a year or so, the Bengals, they're going to have to do that. And if they don't, they're going to start to fall off. Perfect. No, thank you for jumping on, as, as always, Matt. Um, it was really good to have you come on before and after the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll catch up at some point during the off-season to, to, to break down some of these moves. Hey, no problem. Happy to do it.
Take care, man. Thank you. Thanks.